your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. It's a Milwaukee Bucks Tuesday. I'm not even going to waste any time because i got to get Dave in and out of here. Dave Carney, host of the morning <laughs> show on WKTY. We're not going to have enough time if I waste too much time talking about wasting time. But Giannis Antetokounmpo signs the extension is he the highest paid player in the NBA now? It's like uh, what is it, two hundred twenty-eight million for five years? Does that make him the highest? He paid? will be. He will become the highest paid player in the history of the NBA for like today. It's quarterback type money now. The next guy up will sign the next biggest contract. But for the moment, Giannis is the highest paid player in the history of the league. Yeah, and he he hit all these criteria to do that. Right, he had to hit MVP and. Uh, all NBA, all these weird criteria, something only Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon have done, M- Defensive Player in the Year and MVP. Um, obviously, this is a good move for the Bucks. Now, you know, is there any – we don't even need to talk about it, right? He signed, thank God. We were. I had a feeling he was gone, man. I never did. Um, the last couple of days, Grant Bills threw some doubt my way that started to creep in as pessimistic – millennials will tend to do but here's the real truth of this whole thing Giannis and his story would have never let him leave Milwaukee and I don't want to go into too many details because we don't have time but I will say this the generational money this quarter of a billion dollars essentially what the Milwaukee Bucks gave to Giannis Antetokounmpo for the next five years not only changes his life Rick but it changes the life of all of his family and this could go throughout generations of his family in this country and abroad. And I think that when you really examine what the Bucks mean to Giannis and what Giannis means to the Bucks, this was a perfect marriage. And, and there really was no other place to go. If you've got a sage financial advisor, where would you go to take a half to take a hundred million dollar pay cut and pay higher state taxes? I just I, the rationale never really sunk in with me so I was never too concerned about it but the last few days I think like a lot of Bucks fans you were nervous you were hoping this thing would get done sooner than later I know I know a couple whenever after he won the MVP he said as long as everybody's on the same page and as everybody's fighting for the same thing fighting for uh, the same thing every single day which is to be a champion I don't see why not to be in Milwaukee for the next 15 I don't see yeah, I don't see why not to be in Milwaukee for the next 15 years. I guess when he says that, you're like, okay, thank goodness. I, and I did breathe a sigh of relief when he did say that. But then, you know, we we throw four draft pick, five draft picks at J. Rue Holiday, and I'm like, uh, Dante DiVicenzo is our is our shooting guard. I don't know. We're not going to win enough for Giannis to want to stay if he holds out. Wow, that's a really pessimistic outlook, but you live in Minnesota, so I'm going to give <laughs> you a pass on this. You host Lacrosse Talk PM, but you live in Minnesota. Full disclosure, everybody. Look, the Bucks are making moves for the playoffs, and, and the Drew Holiday uh, acquisition is actually very, very good. That's one of the stealth moves of like the last 10 years for this Milwaukee Bucks team because Drew Holiday rates out as one of the best defensive guards in the league. He is a much better scorer than Eric Bledsoe, a much better creator than Eric Bledsoe. And Eric Bledsoe, by the way, has not even reported from what I am understanding to the New Orleans Pelicans yet. If you look at box scores, he is a DNP, not with the team. So I'm not entirely sure what that means. But Bledsoe had failed in consecutive playoff appearances. George Hill, nice player. I really like George Hill, but he is well past his prime. 
And for the cost of doing business, you could do better with somebody in a backup. My concern is with the depth, and I think that would be a concern for everybody when you give up what you give up for a guy like Drew Holiday. But I think this Bucks team is looking at the playoffs, and in the playoffs, they've got a better constructed starting five than they did last year. That's just simple. Yeah, that's going to force their coach to to maybe thin up the lineup. I will say one sad move that the Bucks made is they didn't bring Robin Lopez back, and that makes me super sad. I, he's my favorite well, player. He chose to leave, and he got a better offer, a two-year deal as opposed to a one-year deal from Washington. And, look, it's a business. You do what you got to do. And and for that, I I applaud him. But I agree. He is going to be a miss. I was watching a little bit of the Bullets and – or the Bullets, listen to me, the Wizards. They were wearing the Bullets jerseys. (laughs) Uh, The Wizards and and the Rockets from over the weekend. And it was really interesting to see Robin out there. He surely isn't shooting the three-pointer like he did with the Bucks last year. So we can all take a sigh of relief. Yeah, now, do the Bucks have a move in them? I mean, I, I was like, we can't talk about what just happened because well, Giannis signed now. What happens next? But, yeah, what happens next? Do the Bucks, they need to make one more move? Can they make one more move? Because they don't have it. It's not like they have draft picks to trade. Right, and that's actually going to be my poll question tomorrow morning on the WKTY Morning Show if you're interested to tune in or even just take part in the poll. Does this Bucks team as currently constructed have what it takes to win a championship? And the answer is still TBD. I don't know if there is a move left. There is some really, really big cap ramifications that come with the players they've got on this team. There is a play out there, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't even considering Matter of fact, I thought it was the worst idea in the world to have any sort of interest in acquiring James Harden. But now that Giannis is signed for this amount of money, if and only if Houston would take Chris Middleton, I, I don't know, DJ Wilson, and maybe one of those second-round picks the Bucks bought on draft night, plus a 2034 draft pick, then, yeah, make a move for James Harden. But short of that, Rick, it's going to be really tough for the Bucks to maneuver in that I, space because they've committed so much money to Middleton, now to Giannis, and, and Drew Holiday's still got this year and one more, so he's not on the hook for a long time, but there's still money at hand. Did, did you see? I, I did this in the trade machine. I said we get James Harden and John Wall, but then we have to trade. <laughs> That's the only way Houston would do it because they don't want any of the contracts. But we'd have to trade Middleton, Holiday, Brooke Lopez, DJ Wilson, DeFrancisco, no. and whatever draft picks. No, <laughs> we have to take on both. They're not just going to give us James Harden for Middleton. Or you're crazy. I don't think they would either. I, I really don't. And if I'm Houston, I'll tell you, this narrative keep, keeps emerging that he just is going to be leaving that team. I don't think so. It was essentially, and this is getting long for your purposes, but essentially is his constructed team multiple times. Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook. This is his baby. And if I'm Houston, I'm I'm telling him, you made this bed, you're going to have to lay in it, and that's just how it's going to be. I tell this, I've told this story a couple of times on, on the show, and you'll have to look it up if you don't know it. Do you know the story about Giannis when he, when he FedExed or however you, you, whatever it's called when you send money back home, and then he was running down the street and he didn't, and somebody pulled over in what I imagine is the Christmas vacation green station wagon and was like, Giannis, what are you doing? Why are you running? And he's, and he's like, I, I, for, I, I gave all my money and I don't have any cab fare. To, to get home. So they picked <laughs> him up and they, that. yeah, look it up. It's an actual story. I, I am embellish it a little bit with the, with the station wagon and the family of kids in the back. And I'm sure that they all get in the back seat. Right. But um, yeah, it's an actual story. It's kind of one of those that you might want to tell tomorrow on the show. Love it. All right, Dave. Thanks a lot. Mayor, Mayor Mitch on tomorrow. Just so you know, I'll give you a heads up. 
hey, if I could vote, I'm a Stoddard Village <laughs> resident. If I could vote for him, he'd get my vote. Heck, if I'm a Republican, I'd vote for him twice. They love that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dave. All right, that was Dave Carney, host of the WKTY's morning show, 6 to 9 a.m. if you want to listen to him. And maybe it sounds like he might listen tomorrow. Mitch Reynolds, former host, running for mayor. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. Ken Gilliam, lacrosse fire chief, he said he's going to tune in. And he, Ken Gilliam is going to be on the show on Thursday. So when we, he said he's heard that we've been talking behind his back about some of this fire department stuff. So he said, I'll come on. I'll answer the questions anyone's got. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up on the show is an interview I did with Dave Leventhal. He's a senior Washington correspondent for Business Insider. I talked about this probably quite a bit a little, uh, quite a bit yesterday. There's a story on wisdomnews.com. There'll be another one eventually here uh, just on the idea that these presidential campaigns and, and nomination campaigns, they don't pay police. And Dave Leventhal, he talked to, to, talked to Rob Abraham with the uh, city police department. And he had some funny, funny insights into uh, the, the campaign not paying police. So we'll get into that when we come back. All right. Brad's got to do the news. Here we go. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me now is David Leventhal. He's a senior Washington correspondent, a writer for Business Insider. We talked about this the other day, the... Donald Trump campaign and whatever you want to call, I guess there's an official name for the campaign, but the the idea that he's gone across the country, done these rallies and then left, uh, you know, police departments and municipalities uh, with the bill. This isn't something new, but Dave, you, you have a story on business insider. You, you talked to Rob Abraham, our assistant chief here in lacrosse about this. Uh, Can you just kind of describe, you know, what you found out with the Trump campaign and, and what, what's been going on, which isn't all that different from other campaigns, but we're here now, so that's what we're going to talk about. Right, and the bottom line is that uh, the Trump campaign paid a bill that your, your city had sent the campaign, and uh, that's not news in and of itself because lots of cities across the country do this, and lots of cities across the country are uh, disappointed when the Trump campaign, and for that matter, too, plenty of presidential campaigns, Democrat, Republican, going back years, don't pay these bills because they don't actually have to if it's an unsolicited bill such as this. So uh, what was weird this time, though, is when I was looking through President Trump's financial records, uh, which he has to go ahead and submit to the Federal Election Commission on a periodic basis, I noticed that a bill got paid and that uh, it was a bill stemming from lacrosse for a visit that Mike Pence had made back in September. And effectively, the city had uh, sent a a bill for more than $5,000 for police protection and public safety costs associated with that rally. So uh, it was odd in the sense that the Trump campaign, so far as I know, and I've been tracking the story for a while, has never paid any of these bills. Uh, I can't tell you today whether it was intentional uh, or if it was a mistake, and there's a possibility that it was, that this bill got paid, that the Trump campaign uh, didn't respond to our questions, uh, but at least uh, the city of La Crosse is uh, about five, $6,000 richer than it would be otherwise as a result of this. Yeah, when I do a story, I've done this story a couple of times, just the the idea that well, I've done this story, Mike Pence's Labor Day visit to Dairyland Power, the, that bill wasn't paid. There was a the, the mega rally that was held in October in West Salem. That bill hasn't been paid from to the sheriff's office. The sheriff's office was billed 
$7,477 at the Cross County Sheriff's Office. And the, 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 the police department here was also billed and, and not paid. Uh, that's news to me when I'm doing the story. And when you do the story, news to you is the opposite. Holy cow, a bill has been paid by a presidential campaign to a police department. So we're kind of like living in the upside down the way, the way it sounds in your world. Well, it's this very odd catch-22 kind of situation because the Trump campaign is right. It doesn't have to pay this bill. It doesn't have to pay the bill. But at the same time, too, the president has been saying for years that he supports police, he supports law enforcement, backs the blue. But there was sort of this dissonance uh, that many cities felt and, and put it to the Trump campaign this way, too, to say, all right, well, if you support police, if you support law enforcement, support our police, support our law enforcement by putting your money where your mouth is. And they've said that, too, to plenty of other presidential campaigns. And oftentimes, uh, you've just gotten the cold shoulder. So, yeah, it is notable that a bill of this sort got paid. And and it has an effect on a municipality. Uh, ultimately, it's the taxpayers who, who end up uh, kind of getting screwed here when a presidential campaign comes to town, oftentimes on short notice, has a big rally, a lot of police have to come and, and secure the premises, uh, the arena or the facility that the, that the presidential candidate or vice presidential candidate in this case is coming to. And especially if it's a small town, uh, if, it's a, if it's a city that doesn't have a ton of resources to bring to bear, especially in a time where we're dealing with the COVID pandemic and city budgets are just having holes blown in them, $5,000 here, $10,000 there, or in, in some cases, Fifty, a hundred thousand dollars for really big uh, "Make America Great Again" rallies. That's some serious money. It, it could be the difference between uh, you know, paying a couple of city workers for a whole year or not. Yeah, the uh, the sheriff's office here in La Crosse County, Jeff Wolf. He 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 emailed me back. He said uh, the sheriff's office has been billed numerous campaign visits uh, dating back to two thousand four, and we have never received any reimbursement. So definitely nothing new here. You know, when it comes to uh, these campaigns paying these bills and. Um, the, the other oddity I saw in your story, too, about the Trump campaign paying for this uh, Mike Pence visit was that it was actually 10 cents short, too. This, so they, they, they still, whatever numbers I have, I have to add 10 cents to that now. Right. I think, you know, I don't think too many people are going to lose sleep over a dime, but uh, still kind of the principle of the matter. But, yeah, you know, this is not unique to lacrosse. So there are a couple of other cities in Wisconsin that uh, reported on uh, Eau Claire and, and Green Bay who are in a similar boat. And it's all across the country, El Paso, Minneapolis, Tucson, Arizona, Erie, Pennsylvania, even, you know, very liberal cities like Burlington, Vermont. Uh, it's red and blue. And it really just does go back to the issue for many of these cities of, hey, you know, we are struggling, we are hurting, it's our law enforcement, it's our taxpayers who are going to get hurt when presidential campaigns don't pay these bills. And and going back to the notion, too, of the campaign saying, well, it's not our responsibility, uh, I get the question a lot, well, whose responsibility is it? Well, okay, the Secret Service, first and foremost, is the one that is directing security and is responsible for the overarching security of presidential visits such as this. But they don't get money to reimburse municipalities when they ask for local support, which they invariably do for every type of presidential or major presidential campaign visit that they protect. So, okay, how does the Secret Service get the money? Congress would have to appropriate that money to the Secret Service, and they don't at this point in time. I've talked over the past couple of years to various lawmakers, Republicans and Democrats, and we found people who are very willing, lawmakers who are very willing to 
appropriate that money to the Secret Service, but like lots of things here in Washington, D.C., it gets uh, caught up in the works. And, uh, it, you know, getting Republicans and Democrats to agree on almost anything these days is, is uh, in, impossible, futile. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens, uh, of course, with the COVID legislation that's uh, in place today and keeping the government open. Those are big deals. But Something like this has just not been a priority for Congress, uh, even though it's a very high priority for municipalities across the country. Is it is it hard for the campaign to pay these bills? Do the are the campaigns like strapped for money? I know you quoted Rob Abraham saying they have you know they get millions of dollars. Why wouldn't they just pay the pay the bill? Uh, do we do we know whether or not they actually have millions of dollars? Is it when we can go point we can point to the figure and be like you have two hundred million dollars? Like pay the pay the police. What are you doing? So the facts of the matter are we know that the Trump campaign, as of late November, based on its own filings to the Federal Election Commission, was running about a $7 million surplus at that point in time. So if it wanted to cut a check to any of these cities, it could easily clear those debts uh, today if it wanted to. So there's not an issue there. Hillary Clinton's campaign back in 2016, it paid some police and public safety bills. It didn't pay others. I don't know if there was any rhyme or reason to it. Uh, they refused to discuss it uh, any time I, I had to put the question to them. Uh, that campaign committee still technically, Hillary Clinton's campaign from 2016, is open and still has some money. So it could pay any of the bills that it has outstanding. So it depends campaign to campaign, but the core principle here is very much at play that many of uh, these campaign rallies have a huge fundraising element to them. So they come to town. They come to a city like La Crosse or anywhere else. They raise a lot of money from local supporters, and uh, and, and they are not willing to give a, a tiny, tiny fraction of the money that they raise over to the local police force in order to uh, fund their operations and um, in, on a bigger scale, the city's operations, by providing those services. Yeah, the, for the record, Hillary Clinton's campaign did pay the city of La Crosse. It was about $3,000. I confirmed that. You have you have uh, Hillary's campaign, you know, owing... Uh, Green Bay, some thousand, a couple thousand dollars. So she didn't pay over in Green Bay. Did didn't Lacrosse? Lacrosse just makes out better than the other cities in Wisconsin, apparently. Apparently so. So whatever uh, you know, bill paying magic uh, you have at work here is uh, something that the other cities might might want you to share a little bit of. Now everyone wants that. So when I bring this up, you know, everyone. Not everyone, but I always get a text or a call. Hey, what about the other side? Quote, quote, you know, so to speak, the other side of the aisle, and obviously Hillary Clinton on the other side. Um, I, I did ask about Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders came here to campaign as a presidential nominee, or uh, not a presidential nominee, a Democratic nominee. He went to the Omni Center in on Alaska. I asked Lacrosse Police if they were, you know, if they had a bill there, and they said that he wasn't at that point big enough to need all the security. So so when Bernie Sanders came to Onalaska, the Lacrosse Police Department, you know, he would land in the Lacrosse the city of Lacrosse's airport and and probably be motorcade, you know, with with Lacrosse's police help there. So they didn't they didn't have a bill for Bernie Sanders, but Hillary Clinton did pay. And and then you when you did your story, you have to you you looked into Joe Biden, right? To see if Joe Biden had paid, you know, he's he was doing he was doing, you know, social distance Zoom rallies for the most part, but he did do a couple of rallies, right? He did. And uh, so, first and foremost, uh, we we look at everyone, Democrats and Republicans, when we do a story like this. Joe Biden just didn't have the types of rallies that Donald Trump did over the course of the campaign. So 
even in the pre-COVID days, many of Joe Biden's events were, were very small. They were quite intimate. They weren't these big-scale rallies that, uh, of course, Donald Trump has, uh, has made his mark for. Biden did have a few big rallies, uh, his kickoff rally in Philadelphia back in 2019, for example. Uh, all bills got paid in that case so that, that were put to the Biden campaign. There have been some small security bills that the Biden campaign, federal records show that he did pay. Although I wrote a story uh, just earlier this month that uh, indicated that Joe Biden, when he had a rally just before the election, it was also in Philadelphia, at a park in Philadelphia, one of those drive-in rallies. Well, a whole bunch of cars came in. They all drove into this park in South Philadelphia. It was a very rainy day. They ripped up the park grounds to a significant degree and the Biden campaign. Well, they got a bill in the mail from Philadelphia for uh, tearing up the grounds. and They had to reseed the field and all that. Well, the Biden campaign was late to pay that. We noted that. Uh, we talked to the Biden campaign and said, are you going to pay this bill? They said, well, we will pay the remainder of the balance that we owe on that bill. And uh, As far as I know from Philadelphia, they have paid that bill. So both sides do this, and uh, and that's not false equivalency here. It's uh, the fact of the matter that uh, you can have examples on both sides where lots and lots of bills of these sorts don't get paid. And I should note that Ted Cruz back in 2016, when he was running for president uh, during the Republican primary, he was religious about paying these bills. And we found numerous examples where his campaign meticulously paid these bills, bill after bill, and he just felt like it was his responsibility. And I, I talked to his campaign at the time. His spokesperson told me, yeah, the, the senator just feels like this is a uh, the, the right thing to do, the moral thing to do, and if you're going to support police, well, this is a good way to do it. We're talking with David Leventhal. He's the senior Washington correspondent for Business Insider. Yeah, and you talk about Ted Cruz paying the bill. It, it, it is interesting when you, when you expose Joe Biden for not paying a certain bill. Hey, you ripped up you ripped up a park. You're gonna you gonna pay this bill. All of a sudden, it's bad press. Hey, this is where the press comes comes through, right? The the media comes through, uh, exposing uh, you know torn up grass in a park, and then Joe Biden goes and pays it. Yeah, well, you know, we we see our role as is uh, being watchdogs. So, uh, and uh, it, it's <laughs> if you're going to be the president of the United States, well, the spotlight's going to be on you. Uh, a lot of people might say, "Well, you're picking on Donald Trump for these bills." Okay, well, he's the president of the United States now. Joe Biden's going to be the president of the United States, so we're going to shine a very, very hot white spotlight on his financial activities, too, as has been the case uh, in, in our bureau uh, during the course of the campaign when he was a candidate for the presidency. All right, we're speaking with David Leventhal, the senior Washington correspondent at Business Insider. Coming up, Scott's comment. Brad doing the news. We'll be back. Continuing our conversation with David Leventhal, the senior Washington correspondent at Business Insider. And we're talking about not paying their bills to police and municipalities. Do you have a do you have a better bill than I do with uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan's bus tour owing owing the city of La Crosse's police department two hundred and twenty five dollars? Do you have a better one than that? <laughs> I, I don't know if I do. I mean, uh, there there are some really odd charges that, that some of the cities will send along, and uh, some pretty de minimis ones too. Most of the time, when you have a bill or a, a city just uh, sends a police officer or two to, to cover a presidential campaign rally or or some other type of political rally, if it's $500, $1,000, they, they usually eat the cost. And for that matter, too, I should note that there are lots of cities out there that even if they have a big bill that they could send, they choose not to. And it's really up to them. I can think of a city like Nashville, Tennessee, for example, that uh, just sees it as part of their 
specific offerings. And if you have a event that comes to town and uh, it's on short notice, like a presidential campaign rally, they're just going to do it and they're going to pay for it. So it's a very much municipality to municipality in terms of the determinations that get made by those cities about billing. Now, I don't know if you know this, we're in a unique situation here in La Crosse, too, where Donald Trump was going to have a campaign rally. This was uh, maybe a day or two before. It might have been the day of, I think he did this at midnight, he announced on Twitter he had COVID. So, like, the, the day before, our mayor, essentially, I like to say our mayor kicked Trump out of La Crosse. Tr- uh, Trump was going to land at the airport. He was going to have a rally in some hangar at a, at a private business here. But the mayor had said that the business had writing in their contract that they couldn't hold political rallies in the cross. So essentially, we kicked Trump out of town, and it would have been cool to, for the mayor to say that. But then later, he got COVID, and it wouldn't have uh, it wouldn't have looked looked good to say you you kicked the guy out that that has COVID in his situation. So, but yeah, I don't know if you knew that. If you knew, uh, you know, Trump was going to hold a rally here, and then essentially got booted. I was aware of that, but uh, those are new details to me. Uh, But it does bring up an interesting point that uh, there have been examples, uh, and and plenty of them, too, of cities, especially when the president wanted to use a public facility, so maybe an arena that's owned by the city or a convention center to have a rally there. That's the one time where cities have some leverage, and they can tell the Trump campaign, okay, great, you're welcome to come to town. We would love to have the president here. However, please sign here on the dotted line that you are going to pay A, B, C, and D costs prior to us allowing you to use that facility. So there have been examples where the Trump campaign has de facto paid police bills because it had to sign a contract to use that city-owned facility or city-administered facility. And uh, what we're talking about with a lot of these cities uh, that are sending bills after the fact that's because the president or another political candidate has come and they're conducting their rally at or, or event at a private facility. But still, the police have to come and protect that, uh, and, uh, and, and, and the city has to provide services for that. One question I do get is, well, have any of these cities just refused to provide police protection to the president at all? Why don't they just deny the president protection? And no city that I've ever talked to, no city official no mayor, no police chief, has ever been willing to do that. All of them, almost uh, with uh, complete unanimity, have said, look, uh, at the end of the day, we need to do our jobs. We need to provide protection. And it doesn't matter what the event is. It doesn't matter if we get paid or we don't get paid. We need to protect the people who are coming. We need to, most importantly, protect our citizens, our residents. And there's so much more than just protecting the person who's coming to town. you got to You've got to shut off traffic. You've got to make sure that uh, the perimeter is secured. I mean, there's a whole lot that goes into protecting an event like that, particularly if it's one that's going to be of a very large scale involving hundreds, thousands, or even tens of thousands of people in some of these cases. Well, to play devil's advocate here, Dave, uh, the, the police are on overtime and the president gets to come into town. So, A, they get to say they protected the president. I think that would be a cool thing for a police officer to do. B, they're on overtime, so they're making time and a half. At, you know, I don't know how overtime works, but I'm, I'm just saying time and a half. Um, so the, the idea of, yeah, we're not going to we're not gonna protect you. No way. We want, you know, you say they don't get paid, but they don't get paid by the campaign. But they're going to get paid another way, I would assume. Oh, the, the, the police officers will definitely get paid for that. It's uh, it's really the city budget that takes the hit. So uh, ultimately, it's the city that's not getting paid. 
And who funds the city? Well, the taxpayers do. So the taxpayers are the ones who are basically footing the bill to pay the police that the city is requiring to be there. So as a result, it's, uh, you know, if you get your property tax bill and it looks a little bit bigger than the year before, there may be a reason for that. Uh, and uh, I've definitely talked to cities that said, yeah, you know, we, uh, we're hurting. We need money any which way that we can get it. And the only way that we, we can't print money. We're not the federal government, and uh, and, and we can't uh, really do anything except either raise city fees or raise city taxes that we're in charge of. So, yeah, you know, this has a, this has some effect, and the smaller the city, the, the bigger the effect when it comes to uh, any bill of this sort. All right, Dave, before I let you go, are you, what are you working on? What's the next big story? Oh, I've got, got a few big things. I mean, we're, we're, I have a big story coming out about the negotiations here in Washington, D.C., uh, about uh, COVID stimulus, which is uh, just a huge issue, of course, not just in Washington, D.C., but in every corner of the country. And uh, this could be a real make or break for a lot of people who are struggling mightily as to whether their business is going to be able to survive, whether they're going to be able to make ends meet uh, and pay their next uh, bills that, that come in for their family. Uh, it's, a, it's a really dire situation for millions of Americans uh, right now who are, are just not... Uh, in uh, healthy financial straits, to say the least. So that's going to be a big deal. We've got some news uh, in that that uh, hopefully is going to shed some light on these ongoing negotiations that both Democrats and Republicans really want to get done by the end of this week, but still there are some hurdles to cross, to say the least. Yeah, we we said last Friday, uh, you you know, the the Friday news dump is that the government funded itself unbelievable to keep itself open. And that's going to happen again this Friday. They, they, the government's not going to shut down because they'll figure out a way to bipartisan uh, keep themselves running. <laughs> uh, there, there, it, it never amazes uh, how Congress can go to the absolute possible last minute. And in several cases over the past couple of years, go beyond the last minute and just shut the whole thing down. It's uh, not a healthy situation for anyone. All right. David Leventhal, the senior Washington correspondent for Business Insider. Hey, man, thanks, thanks a lot for spending some time with us. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Dave. Bye. All right. We'll be back after this. All right. Welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Thanks again to Dave Leventhal for speaking, talking about his story on the Trump campaign and how all these campaigns don't pay their bills. And it sounds like we just need to maybe rethink the way that we charge these things if they he said that they don't have to pay so it's kind of a weird you're gonna make the secret service pay you're gonna make the campaign pay the campaign says it doesn't have to pay the secret service says congress would have to give us money to pay so then we got to ask congress to pay but then if we ask congress to pay then we're just paying our ourselves again anyway right just federal money instead of state money or instead of city money i guess uh one way or the other you're paying for your own campaign regardless of who it is in one way or the other so you know maybe have the campaigns pay and maybe make it a rule so if the lawmakers wanted to do something there would be a thing but i guess they have rallies too so maybe they don't want to pay the, the charges either i might be president someday i don't want to be paying i don't want my campaign to be playing paying police departments uh dave carney before that joined us the host of the morning show on wkty from 6 to 9 a.m you can listen on WKTY app, too. And you can listen to this show on the WICM app. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo signs, becomes the, or will become, I guess, because he 
still under his contract yet, but five-year extension, $228 million, right in my wheelhouse here. I mean, we could talk the whole show about this, but um, it's pr- pretty incredible. The The best player, arguably the best player in the NBA, if, if you were going to pick any player in the NBA to have for, for the rest of their career, because if you were going to pick any player in the NBA to have for one year, you'd probably pick LeBron James, honestly. And maybe Giannis second, LeBron James' teammate, Anthony Davis perhaps second. And some might even pick Steph Curry second, just because that guy's a better shooter than anyone ever in the history of the game. But if you're going to start a franchise, if you're going to just go, everybody is in a pool, who are we going to take? What one player do I want to start to have for for the rest of their career? It's going to be Giannis Antetokounmpo. Sad thing is then you're also going to have to pay him $228 million (laughs) for the next five years. The NBA has kind of a is kind of in a goofy place. Uh, a lot, all these all these uh, leagues are they have salary caps. They don't quite work because then you can only get so many players. I mean, they they, they work and they don't because the salary the the prices are so high for these teams when they keep players over and over for extended years that their salaries are able to get bigger and bigger as long as you keep the player. So when the Bucks keep Giannis for his entire career, he's able to make more money with the Bucks because the Bucks have kept him. It's just kind of a weird, it's called like the Larry, the bird rule, Larry bird rule. Um, but the, that, that doesn't help the Bucks in terms of uh, being able to afford other players. Cause you, you got it. You can only spend so much money, but I do, I do always say we could use a salary cap in the real world, right? Like we could salary cap some of these CEOs. We could do that. I mean, if, if the CEOs of these NBA teams, because they own all kinds of other things, right? The billionaire owners of the Bucks are, aren't billionaires because they own the Bucks. This is their toy, the Bucks, and they they own other things, right? That make them billionaires. So they they they've put this rule in place for themselves, so that they don't have to pay the workers too much money because they have all the money in the world. They you know you couldn't pay. You couldn't spend you couldn't spend all that money on NBA players if you wanted to, or NFL players. The baseball doesn't really have a salary cap; uh, they do and they don't. It's kind of a weird situation, but um, yeah. So I'll say, like, yeah, maybe if we uh, invoked a real world salary cap, that that would uh, maybe solve some issues we have. Get a call here, caller. Who's this? Yeah, it's Eric. Eric. Yeah, Giannis is a fool if he accepts the offer from Milwaukee. You bet three or four times than any other team. And another thing, Trump didn't lose the election. It'll be brought out. Voter fraud is bailing ballots, and they're doing the same damn thing in Georgia right now. Mark my words, it'll be it'll be exposed for what it is, voter fraud. Thanks. Okay. Giannis is a fool for accepting $228 million, $100 million more than any team other could accept, and then uh, voter fraud. Trump's going to win the election. I don't. I don't think it's going to turn out like that. I don't think so. I think he's like zero and eighty, one and eighty, one and fifty, whatever he is in court cases. Uh, there is a kind of a funny story happening in the Wisconsin state capitol today too, um, <laughs> over a Christmas tree. I think it's an artificial Christmas tree too. At that, so the idea that these two Republicans, Paul Tittle and Shea Sortwell, are illegally putting up a tree. I think they broadcast it on Facebook Live that they're decorating a tree. But, but you need a permit to put a tree up, and they're not giving out permits for things on that floor anyway, but they are on other floors. Uh, it just sounds like, uh, at this point, it just sounds like some bunch of 
old fogies bickering about a tree. You know, they they probably if they would have went at it the the correct way, in whatever way that is, I don't know. Sounds like you have to get a permit for for a display, and they did it incorrectly the first time, and then were denied, and then they put it up anyway. And at that point, you know, like if your child does something wrong after they after they did it the first time right and then they do it again you're not going to allow them to do the thing like no you you i said you couldn't and then you went and did it anyway and i said no and now you want to do it again you know like is there punishment should we start fining these players these uh these these uh lawmakers like we we find we we got to do a lot of this stuff like we do in sports. We got to do more things like this. And the way we do things in sports, we need to do things in politics. We need to fine these people fifty thousand dollars for putting up the Christmas tree. You you did it without getting the correct permits, and you're fined fifty thousand dollars. We could fine people for lying. We could do that when when uh, NBA and NFL players and coaches talk bad about the referees. Uh, they get fined all the time. They get fined for not wearing masks. We could do that. I mean, it would be fun to see our lawmakers get fined for some of this stuff, no matter, no matter who they are. You said what? That's actually uh, not correct. I, I see a lot of uh, – Eric brings up the, the Georgia Senate race, and there's a lot of stories about whether or not the senators Ill, you know, illegally traded stocks or new insider information before they, they traded stocks. And some of that stuff, maybe, other that is like, well – you know, if we were in a position to trade stocks, we would have probably bought some Pfizer stock at about the time we heard about a coronavirus <laughs> overseas. But uh, you know, other times, ah, oh, you did, you did this what illegally? So, uh, or you said you 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 said this, and it's actually not true. You know, maybe their colleagues in the Senate said something that wasn't correct. Uh, we start finding them. Yeah, that's actually not true. You're just you're just blowharding about because you don't like them because they are they're from the other side of the aisle. So I uh, will go back to the phones. Who's this? Number three. Hey. Hey, have you talked to Mitch Reynolds lately? I talked to him yesterday. He's going to be on tomorrow. Oh, okay. I didn't hear you say, I haven't been able to get a hold of your show. I've been out of town, and I just heard you windjammering it now, and I was wondering if you did get a hold of the the guy then. Yeah, I got got a hold of the guy, and uh, we're good to go. 5.15 tomorrow. We'll see how long he lasts. Is it? question and answer session if, with him i'm i'm sure he would love to hear from you so yeah okay. feel free to call all right thanks you're you're doing a good job all right thank you i'm proud of you all right thanks a lot Bye. Bye. all right we got one more call uh and they hung up never mind yeah mitch is going to be on tomorrow former host of the show former news director here at wizm he's been working at whole tree and i think whole tree is is responsible for the the what do you call it now? I'm going to forget the canopy thing, the the bandstand, whatever you want to call that thing over there in Riverside Park. That's really cool. Uh, I think Holtree did, did that work, or, or you know, those are the trees that they. We'll ask Mitch. We'll get the details better. I, I don't know if he's going to claim responsibility. You know, if he's running for mayor, he should, right? Like he should claim responsibility for that. I don't think he will, but you know, number three says I I'm his, I should be his campaign manager. Well, as campaign manager, Mitch, you should claim responsibility for this canopy in Riverside park that is really cool. And I don't think it didn't cost the taxpayers any money because it was all donated. And uh, yeah, definitely. That's where you start your campaign as I think Joe called in yesterday and said he should start the, the first thing he should say is he's going to bring the, the uh, native American lookalike statue 
uh, back, which <laughs> that's probably not the best place to start as, as a, as a campaign manager, I would say that's not the best place to start. Also, Mayor Tim Cabot is rumored to uh, be creating multiple hatched egg, hatched baby statues uh, to put all over, not just Riverside Park, but all over the city, hundreds of them. And as he is a lame duck mayor headed on his way out, you can't do anything anything about it. He's using taxpayer money to uh, to do that. So it's a rumor I heard. I don't know. It could be. It might not be true. So we'll see. All right. That's going to do it. Yeah. Like I said, Mayor Mayor Mitch. Mitch for mayor. That's what I wanted to say. Mitch for mayor tomorrow. Ken Gilliam on Thursday. All right. Thanks for listening.